shows augmented reality and the dark side. Check out their Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker Dark Side headphones and new Star Wars app for an exclusive and immersive AR audio experience. Visit Bose.com slash Rebel Force to learn more. Did you hear that? A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. It looks like uh, Skywalker Rises in Ohio has a... We have our opening act. Just looking at this right now. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel doing the uh, RFR pre-show on December 19th. (laughs) He's going to have a primetime special celebrating the theatrical release of uh, The Rise of Skywalker over there on ABC. Very nice of uh, Jimmy to do that for us. It's going to feature J.J. Uh, Abrams, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, Naomi Aki, Kelly Marie Tran, and Carrie Russell. They'll all be interviewed by Jimmy Kimmel. And then participate in a game of Force Family Feud. Oh, boy. That'll be fun. I mean, that'll be kind of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, Force Family Feud. So um, tune in for that on... Uh, December 19th. That's Thursday, December 19th. And then, of course, uh, maybe before or after you see that, you can head over to your multiplex. I don't know if you're going to be able to casually go. If you don't have tickets for that opening night, it depends on where you live, I'm thinking. It's hard for me to imagine them all being sold out on the 19th. I've heard nothing of the... uh, about that, but tickets, yeah, you might get a few scattered singles in there now with the reserved seating of these uh, of these movie theaters, but you can catch uh, this special uh, primetime edition of Jimmy Kimmel Live. And then also, TNT is going to be doing this uh, Star Wars movie marathon. It's going to feature, I believe, a couple of uh, network premieres, and that's going to be uh, this coming weekend. Uh, December 13th, 14th, and 15th, and then resuming again on the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Uh, And here's something interesting. They're going to include, I believe for the first time, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, in between uh, the showings of um, uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That's kind of a new spin. Oh, neat. uh, Yeah. And then on the 22nd, uh, you'll have, or excuse me, on the 29th, Oh, wait a minute. They're doing this. Is this three weekends in a row? Three weekends in a row. I take it back. So 13th, 14th, 15th, 20th, 21st, 22nd. And then on uh, the 29th, there's going to be a premiere of The Last Jedi. So the, the cable premiere of that. And, you know, if you're wondering about, well, wait a minute, TNT and Disney Plus and all of that. Do you remember what happened uh, back uh, a couple years ago or a year and a half ago when they decided that they were going to go out? and do this Disney Plus thing. They, apparently, they negotiated the um, 
with Turner, who had the TV rights for the films through, gosh, what was it, like 20, yeah, 2024. And so they negotiated and they came to an agreement. They said, okay, well, we'll get the streaming rights and we'll give you the Kate, leave you the cable rights. And on top of that, we're going to throw in some other movies like, you know, like the Marvel movies. You can have those, too. So pretty good deal for uh, TNT and uh, TBS and the whole uh, Turner family to have those Star Wars movies available uh, via via cable. So lots of anticipation as we count down now, really just uh, one week away from the rise of Skywalker. And of course, our big event, Skywalker Rises in Ohio. So um, get those uh, events on your calendar And uh, I know one guy who's got his calendar full of Star Wars events. In fact, past, present, and future, his calendar is nothing but Star Wars. And I'm talking about, (laughs) of course, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yeah, here we are one week away from the not only a film coming out, but the finality of the sequel trilogy and the finality of all the trilogies. (laughs) You know, it's hard to believe that we're already here. It doesn't seem that long ago, Jason. We were standing in the uh, Hollywood Boulevard cinemas waiting to go in to see The Force Awakens. And uh, we did a, a live show that night. Yeah. But um, yeah, this time around, we're rolling into uh, The Rise of Skywalker. We're going to be in Cleveland. We're going to be doing a live show from downtown Cleveland on uh, the 20th. Then the actual evening, the, the film opens. Yeah. But we think uh, most of the diehard fans are going to be seeing it Thursday night next That's week. Right. That's the real opening. We know that. Truly, truly. Um, but uh, we understand if you can't make it out to Cleveland and you can't see the film, uh, the, everything will be available via podcasts and That's you'll right. be able to catch up no problem. But uh, we're hoping to stream the show live. Next Friday night, live from Cleveland, we hope it'll happen. Of course, there's always some technical snafu we run into, but uh, well, this you never time know. around, these are I, really old. You know, these are really old historic theaters. Yeah, and uh, not only are they do they have really thick walls, which make things like Wi-Fi and even wired connections difficult, but uh, we're talking about hundred plus year old theaters, and uh, there are ghosts. I'm not kidding you. There are actual yeah. ghosts, and not force ghosts. <laughs> these are the these are the kind of of uh, meddling, menacing ghosts. But no, we're mm. gonna do, we're gonna do our best to try and and cut through all of that. But um, uh, yeah, Jim, as you say, we we can't make any promises because no, we're really but we're certainly gonna try. The internet, we're gods. certainly gonna try. So keep your eye on rebelforceradio.com and all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Maybe we'll get paid a visit by the ghost of Carrie Fisher because she's out there. Actually, and she oh, showed she's... up at a she showed up at a Rise of Skywalker media event last week, or last weekend, <laughs> earlier this oh, week. Really? I don't know the exact day, but yes, she did show up. She did show up at the global press conference, and we got uh, audio highlights of that. And uh, we also have tons of uh, audio highlights from the various press junkets that's been going on, um, interviews, one on ones, and. Um, even uh, J.J.'s appearance on the uh, Stephen Colbert, uh, was he do? Uh, the Late Late Show, or the, just The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He took over for David Letterman. And so that's The Late Show. Mm. And oh, uh, yeah, J.J. Yeah, yeah. was on that. And uh, we have um, 
We have all kind of uh, interesting uh, speculation coming up this week. We got some big spoilers. There was some uh, spoilers. You have to be warned. Yeah, there was a leak. Well, I don't know if you could call this a leak. I guess it was a leak because it's been taken down. But uh, the Reve- or revenge of the Sith. I see that ROTS, and that's immediately mm-hmm. where the oh, the, the T-Raz uh, soundtrack, the score by the maestro, John Williams, was uh, put online as part of the For Your Consideration uh, yeah. Oscar race. And it was uh, put up, available, and then taken down very, very quickly. We'll talk about some of those, uh, those track listings. But we will, of course, bookend it with the sp- Appropriate spoiler alert but as jim said he's been hard at work he won't he won't give himself the credit the, the, the man hasn't slept in three days he's been pouring <laughs> over all of these chat shows and these uh i mean it used to be jim you would just have to cover the major uh, nighttime talk shows now with right. youtube and everything you're getting stuff from literally all over the world you got to yes. come through for audio highlights that is true that is true i, I zeroed in on the uh Fox television affiliate from Washington, D.C. for some reason. <laughs> Found a lot of their interviews very compelling. So uh, it's, we it's, have it's highlights random. from that. But I, I did. I did. I combed through a ton of media coverage for The Rise of Skywalker and was absolutely um, just appalled by some of the most ignorant questions being asked these people and uh you know is is you know really two minutes into the interview and they're just like uh paper or plastic uh you know i mean just the dumbest questions ketchup or mustard you know boxers or briefs that used to be yeah 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 ginger or marianne you know i mean it's just nonsensical stuff you know and uh, followed by a bunch of uh tedious laughter and uh all kind of stuff but i i found some uh nuggets and uh, a lot of it comes from jj abrams he's the one being most forthright in these uh interviews he's the one who's coming across with uh some quality information i find the cast and crew uh usually are shoveling a lot of fluffy stuff you know, they don't want to get in trouble or anything, but yeah, uh, I'm sure there's still a lot of interesting perspectives out there. And I spent several hours combing through these interviews. Definitely. definitely. Well, and, you know, as we say here on Rebel Force Radio, we do that kind of thing. So you don't have to That's we right. bring it here. So if someone says something interesting out on the uh, out on the trail uh, the promotional trail, we're going to bring it uh to you right here. and a lot so. of times you know things people say just get um its most widespread notice via clickbaity headlines and things like that i always think it's best to go to the source and hear these quotes come directly from the people making them themselves so that cuts out a lot of uh the assumptions you make or the spin. Uh, there's a lot of spin. spin. There's on. a lot of yeah. spin. There's a lot of spin and a lot of assumptions being made too about things that people say. A lot of inaccurate assumptions, I might add. So, uh, you, you know, everyone uh, listening to the show uses the internet and you know uh, what to take with a grain of salt and what not to. And uh, we hope to give you coverage that's uh, straightforward and crystal clear so you're not having to rely on those clickbait articles and things of that nature provide you the context and the nuance that is so needed in today's day of uh, Mm -hmm. journalism and reporting but uh, before we do all of that let's check in with our voicemail hotline we've got a good one here this is from daniel he's calling from texas kicking things off here on this week's rebel force radio danny boy 
Hey, this is Daniel. I'm calling from Texas, and I was just thinking about the recent article. It was a uh, it was a article on Polygon.com, I believe, and it was specifically about. Um, I have to go and look at it. It was <laughs> it was an article uh, called Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Writer Chris Terrio on ending a series that can't end. Um, I'm looking at this, and there's an interesting part where he talks about, uh, you mentioned identifying specific story threads throughout the saga. Can you elaborate a bit on that specific process? And he says, uh, he says that there were little promises that may have been uh, made in different episodes that were never fulfilled, possibly. And he says, specifically, J.J. would say, there's always been this line in Empire Strikes Back, and I always think about that line. What do you think that means? And I was thinking that the line he's probably talking about is when Yoda says, there is another. And I'm thinking that when Ben says that boy was our last hope, and Yoda says, there is another, they latched on to that line to maybe explain and tie together that part of the trilogy to the new saga, the new uh, sequel trilogy. Maybe that's Ray. I don't know. I wanted to see what your thoughts were. And uh, anyway, love you guys. Uh, you guys entertain me every day on my way to work or wherever I'm going. And uh, I've only no, recently discovered you guys within the last year, but uh, what a wonderful discovery. Uh, anyway, yeah. thanks. Just want to see what you guys thought. Bye. Thanks, Daniel. It's uh, the feeling is mutual. Love you too, and thanks for carrying us with you on your way to work. Uh, this is a good question. Uh, there is another. Uh, clearly, uh, at the time, this was set up to put forth another force-sensitive character. Uh, Jim, I'm not exactly sure when the notion of making Luke and Leia siblings when that happened. Uh, I do know that the decision to make Darth Vader Luke's father happened after the release of episode four, a new hope. Uh, in fact, entertainment weekly has a new interview with Lawrence Kasdan about that very thing. Uh, and we can talk about that here in just a moment, but in terms of making Luke and Leia siblings, and Yoda's line, what do, what do you think the connection is uh, based on your 40 plus years as a, a student of this <laughs> stuff? Uh, I don't know that it's ever been uh, specifically uh, called out. I'd have to go and check what do my you mean? annotated what, what do you mean? What well, has in terms been? of at the time of writing the screenplay for Empire Strikes Back. It's my understanding that the decision hadn't been made by George that Luke and Leia were brother and sister. Right. At that That's point. That's true. That is so true. So the it's... there is another line when it was written was not specifically referring to Leia. Right. It was likely thrown out there as a a bit of a hook which would give them the opportunity to maybe introduce another character. I mean this is the, the this is still when the whole idea of a Star Wars saga was still uh, just ripe with possibility all over the place. George didn't know how many he was doing. Um, so, yes, you could certainly retcon this now. Uh, 
to refer to Array, but I think most of us have settled in on the fact that when you look at that original trilogy and Yoda says there is another, he's clearly, in retrospect, talking about Leia. Well, I mean, it's confirmed in The Return of the Jedi, who Yoda was talking about. Luke says to Obi-Wan, Yoda spoke of another. Obi or Ben says, the other he spoke of is your twin sister. The other he spoke of right. is your twin sister. So unless Ray is Luke's twin sister as well as Leia, and they were triplets, the other Yoda spoke of was your third uncle, <laughs> sister's brother's friend. No, it's it is clearly. Leia. Yeah. And anything you do to change that is some serious retcon. And it's... Yeah, I forgot it, about the trying... confirmation. That's a really yes. good point. Of course, Obi-Wan confirms it in Return of the Jedi when he's sitting on the log. So you cannot contradict the spirit of Obi-Wan. I mean, it's just impossible. You cannot do it. Now, however... The uh, Yoda spoke of another does apply to somebody who actually is in the Rise of Skywalker, and that's Leia herself. So how does that line impact what happens in the Rise of Skywalker? If that is the line that Chris Terrio was talking about. I mean, we're just guessing at this point, but it seems like the media's morsel on the plate, in my opinion. Yeah. But I don't think it's debatable. I do not think it's the Beatle. I do not think the identity of the other could be anyone but right. Leia Organa. Yeah. It's impossible. Although Ben has been known to um, be selective in his. I'm yeah. just throwing out there. There are people that are probably. But yeah, I, I agree there's with no you. There's no certain point of view no. here. No. This no, is crystal not. clear. No. No. This he's, is an unmovable object. If you change this, then. Everything else is just as malleable when you want to tell future Star Wars right. films. Right. And you cannot yeah. unleash that sort of destructive nature on the mythology as it is today. Now, let's, uh, you know, Daniel is just making a, a guess uh, because I've got the story pulled up uh, from Polygon.com. Again, an interview with uh, Chris Terrio, J.J. Uh, Abrams collaborator and uh, one of the co-screenwriters of the rise of Skywalker. And the question that was put to him is you mentioned identifying specific story threads throughout the saga. Can you elaborate a bit on that process? Chris Terrio responds. We went back and asked, what about this strand? Was this little promise that was made in this episode ever fulfilled? Or mm -hmm. here's a little aspect of this character that seems kind of interesting and intriguing. Or as JJ would say, there's always been this line in the empire strikes back. And I always think about that line. What do you think that means? We could sort of play in that world for hours and hours and hours and debate and argue and grizzly wrestle about certain points. So our, our, uh, our caller is, is just suggesting that perhaps uh, the line that J.J. might have been referring to, though I think Chris Terrio is being kind of general here. He's, mm. he's, he's saying, yeah, J.J. would say things like, yeah, what about this line? What about this character? What about this thread? Not necessarily thinking of something specific. 
uh, Daniel's making the leap and saying, "Hey, what? What? Maybe he's talking about the uh, the Yoda line about the, about the other." But um, Jim, I'm no. almost ashamed of myself no. that I didn't immediately think of Ben's answer in Return of the Jedi. Of course, he says the other you spoke of is your he spoke of is your twin sister. Correct uh, you both from the Emperor. You were hidden from your sister when you were born. Blah 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 blah. So there you the, go. The, we 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 know. I mean, it's not like. What's the matter? You smell something? That's not the line. Okay. <laughs> That's not the line, yeah. you know. Right. Um but uh that that is the one that um you know, you could latch on to. But with the with the Obi-Wan confirmation, I just don't see how there can be any flexibility there. Yeah. So you want to dive into some Yoda lines, uh, maybe uh, some Vader stuff. The Emperor doesn't say too much in uh, Empire Strikes Back, but uh, look, there's—I don't think that you could make the argument that Ray was prophesied at all uh, in the prequel trilogy or the sequel tr- or the original trilogy. It's just—it's—it's it's not in the cards, and I actually don't think that's where JJ and Chris Terrio are going to go in this movie. Um, on the one hand, we could uh, assume that Kylo Ren is was telling the truth. We could assume that, or we could go the other way and say that there's still more about Ray's origin that will be uh, detailed. And we've got you know several uh, reports saying that, uh, and Daisy herself saying that the idea of parentage and whatnot will be addressed. So um, we'll probably be left to assume that, or to, to conclude that. Uh, Kylo was lying, was manipulating Ray, and that there's more to the story. Um, that, or maybe it's something he didn't even know. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it but, was just something that was uh, fed to Kylo, and he thought it was the truth when it really wasn't. You know? Yeah. With Palpatine looming over this next episode, I, you know, just about anything's possible. Anything's possible. But retconning. The other to be Ray? No. no, it has to be Leia. But I mean that there could be some sort of influence. Leia passes on to Ray. You know, I mean it could be like that. The the game of dominoes. Yeah. That boy was our only hope. No, there is another. Well, you know that's uh, this could go down a rabbit trail. But, you know, <laughs> uh, we're only a week away. All right, all right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to reserve because I know it's going to come up later, and so I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't go into it now. But we do appreciate the question, Daniel. Thanks, and I'm glad that you found us here at Rebel Force Radio. So please continue to take us on your journey back and forth uh, to work, and we'll do our best to keep you company. That's great Let's... speculation. He's just having fun. I don't mean to yeah. poop all over his idea. And and when he brought it up, I knew immediately he was going to talk about. No, there is another. Yeah. Because that is the one line in Empire Strikes Back that you could potentially have a debate on. I know a lot of people have written to us about that. Mm-hmm. Say, could Ray be the other? And I'll just be like, well, you know, you seem to conveniently forget about this line of dialogue that was delivered by Alec Guinness. <laughs> Sir Alec Guinness. Right. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it even, left I, my, it even left my brain there for a minute. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it. The news. There's one topic on everyone's mind right now as we... Count down the days to the rise of Skywalker. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. 
I wonder if uh, Baby Yoda is going to be at the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that'd be a trip. I say unlikely. Uh, I think they want to. They don't want to. They don't want Baby Yoda anywhere near that. That that whoop de doo. Yeah. Well, they you own know, it. it um, the the event is all about Episode Nine. Yeah. And to bring in Baby Yoda. That's almost like crashing the party, you know? I mean, you got to stay focused. And just the mere sight of Baby Yoda would get a lot of people buzzing in anticipation. Could we see Baby Yoda in Episode Nine? You know what I'd and like I to think see? that's the last thing they they. Oh, want. no, no, no. But I would like to see Jon Favreau on a bicycle with Baby Yoda in a basket in the front, E.T. style. E.T. style, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just Favreau on a bike would be a sight to see. yeah. But uh, with um, with little baby Yoda riding in the basket. Hmm. Oh, he's so cute. I um, all right. So, uh, yes, one week away from the release of The Rise of Skywalker, all of the uh, the cast and J.J. Uh, Abrams himself making the rounds. Jim, you've uh, gone through several of these uh, appearances and pulled some of the best of the best. Uh, what do you got for us here in terms of highlights of this big PR extravaganza? All right, well, let's take a quick look here at the Rise of Skywalker Global Press Conference that went down in Pasadena uh, just a few days ago, actually. And, of course, the Rebel Force radio microphones were there. And uh, we have a a bunch of quotes that I pulled. Uh, You know, I really just focused on what uh, J.J. had to say because, again, like I said at the beginning of this, um, he's the one who's really delivering legitimate info. And... I think he's really one of the only ones who's in a position to kind of uh, talk about the film in terms of grand themes and meanings and things like that. So, uh, and it's just interesting to get his take on a behind the scenes sort of level about how some things technically were pulled off. Let's hear JJ Abrams respond to uh, the question what does he want the film to achieve? as far as the big picture goes. All right. There's the movie that you know you're presenting to the world. And then there's the thing that you're doing, not necessarily secretly, but, but meaningfully. We live in a crazy world. We live in a crazy time. And Star Wars, for me, was about hope. And it was about community. It was about the underdog. And it was about bringing people together and seeing all oddballs represented and the most unlikely friends and the most unlikely places and the family that you make is, is really your family, you know? And so to tell a story that is, of course, a giant spectacle and, and, and a sort of, you know, like you say, the blockbuster rapping. But the thing that mattered to me most, more than all the spectacular, unbelievable, I, I would argue, best work ILM has ever done, all the departments going beyond expectations... The, the thing that matters, I would say, most and only in the film is, is re- really the people who are sitting here, you know, and, and what you're watching and the eyes of the characters and the heart of the characters. So f- for me, rather than give away sort of themes that Chris and I talked about doing, you know, from the beginning and what, what our specifics are, I will say that it really is about hope and it's about coming back to a sense of possibility, about unity, and, and it's... If Star Wars can't do that for us, I don't know what can. Okay. 
it's kind of all over the place there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of that. Um, when he says the, uh, I don't sense know why he thinks we're living in such a terrible time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there, there's there's many different things you can point at in this. Uh, you know, I mean, um, much like when Star Wars came out, post Vietnam era, 1970s, it just seemed like. There was a lack of optimism in the air. Mm. And I think JJ is trying to say that with all the things that are going on in the world today, everything from um, environmental disaster to terrorism to you name it, uh, political unrest, uh, you can look at Star Wars and maybe find that sense of optimism in a similar way that you found it in the 70s when it first debuted. I think that's what he is saying that he wants the film to achieve, to be able to provide that level of optimism and open up the realm of possibility to, uh, to uh, you know, be able to achieve whatever you uh, think you can achieve. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's trying to um, just put a positive spin on um, – and what we do need, <clears throat> excuse me, in that case is some legitimate escapism. If the, if you want to bring real world problems into it, so give us that uh, escapism. Give us a story that reaches way beyond the typical BS that we live through today as citizens of the world in the year 2019. Give us something that can achieve far more than what we can imagine possible. And see how that influences people in a more positive way. Yeah. 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 All right. That's what All I right. think. All right. Well, good for him. So, okay. So, Terrio. Uh, Chris Terrio is the screenwriter for episode nine. And he talks about the uh, difficulty of writing the actual end of everything. The end of the saga. Oh, good. I'm glad he brings this up. There was a moment in the process when we were, JJ and I were agonizing over something in the, in the third act, and, and we were in a room with, you know, Michelle Rejwan and Kathy and JJ and I, and, and, we, um, and we, we couldn't seem to get it. And we went outside the room, and Rick Carter, the production designer, sort of legendary production designer, said, I think the reason you and JJ can't write this scene is because you don't want Star Wars to end. <laughs> and I w- looked at JJ, and we, we knew he was right, and then we had to go and write it. Um, and then, of course, the movie is remade, uh, you know, on the set and remade in editing and remade in scoring and remade in all kinds of ways. So we kept rediscovering the story. But I have to say it was you. you I think both of us mourned the moment when we typed the, um, the characters names for the last time. I mean, the, the, the moment of joy you have when you type, um, you know, Lando and type some words underneath Lando is, is something that is indescribable. But also the moment of, of sadness and longing when you type it for the last time is memorable. Yeah, I bet when he typed in, Lando breathes his last breath. That was, <laughs> that was rough. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, let me, let, me, interest- wait a minute, let, me, let me talk about this, this end, of the, end of, the, of the saga thing. All right. So I, I've really, you know, I've been wrestling with this, right? This has been, I, I've hated this aspect mm-hmm. of the publicity campaign because, you know, because part of me thinks that it's, it's, a, it's a cheap ploy to get people into the theaters. I think people will go to the theater regardless mm. of whether you say it's the last, it's the end of the saga. It, all sagas must come to an end. All stories must have their end. Um, here's my problem. Is I understand that 
that they want to wrap up this trilogy and there's 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 no no bones here i have no problem with that wrap up your trilogy but what i what i what i resent a little bit is that they're saying not only are we wrapping up this trilogy but we're going to wrap up everything for you so we're going to wrap up the story of ray poe and finn etc we're also going to wrap up the events of the prequel trilogy. We're going to wrap up the events of the original. We're, we're going to wrap the whole thing up. And uh, this this may be a little controversial, but this is this is how I feel. You haven't earned the right to wrap it all up. <laughs> you haven't earned it. These characters have been around for forty some years. You're going to come around, and in and and in six years. You're going to wrap it all up for us? No, thanks. Let me, let me ask wrap you this. Wrap up your story. Let me ask you this. With uh, the Marvel franchise, they made some pretty bold moves to determine that that thing has come to an end, uh, at least the phase that put it all on the map with it, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Did you ever see Avengers Endgame? No. No. Well, I might be getting into some spoiler territory here. That's okay. Here, but... That's fine. I don't. I don't mind. All spoilers right. don't. I'm not afraid of spoilers. But they did market Endgame. I mean, even in the title alone says it all. Endgame, and uh, I believe they did market that film as something that's going to wrap up the Marvel universe as as we know it to this day. Pretty much the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they did so. And they even killed off Iron Man along the way. Okay. They killed off Black Widow, mm-hmm. and um, is you know, she getting the, a TV show though? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, she's going to live on in a TV show. Right. But I mean, I'm talking about the films. And, and Spider-Man's the, still know. alive. And this is likely leading up to the new Avengers. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. That's That's been kind of a complicated process, too, with the uh, well, Sony right. company yeah, and all right, that. Right. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's many things uh, in motion here. But uh, as far as the Avengers and Captain America and Iron Man... And the thing that has really been the backbone of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, those three names, the Avengers, Captain America, and Iron Man, that's been the bread and butter. And they sealed the deal on that uh, for the most part. I mean, when you uh, kill off Tony Stark's Iron Man. But don't uh, they have the right to do that because they were there from the beginning? Were they? Was the Disney company there from the beginning? Well, I think uh, Kevin Feige was there from the beginning. He was certainly producing these films all the way back to the first Iron Man. All right. Well, that's that is that is a fair thing to bring up. And Kevin Feige also had an end game and plan going way right. back. Right. He had a roadmap to work off of because he took the time to do that. Here's what um, here's what but, I'm getting at. You know, when 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 uh, JJ gave us the Star Trek remake films you know, star trek what was it 2009 eight, eight. 2008 and yes. then and then star trek into darkness and they did that really he did that really i think cheap move of reworking the the kirk spock death scene yes it just was really empty you know it just right. it just i just go well these guys haven't earned it <laughs> you know i love chris pine and zach quinto they're great in their roles but they haven't earned that weight and and honestly, seeing the end of the Skywalker saga through the prism of Ray, Pin and, or Ray Finn and Poe, 
you know, wrap up your own story. I can, you know, you know, get all emotional about your own story ending, but to wrap up, you know, these nine films with with these characters, and in such a kind of in your face way that the at least the PR machine is spinning it. I just go back to yeah, you haven't really earned it. <laughs> so I well, feel better. Know, I got I mean, it off my chest, there's, but there's no one else who's going to. Uh, be able to uh, come in and take a draw. I, I I don't what. So okay, let me see if I got this straight. Yeah. When Disney purchased Lucasfilm, right. the game plan was to do saga film, rotating with a Star Wars story standalone film each and every year. Mm-hmm. All right, and then they ran into trouble with the Last Jedi, the most divisive Star Wars film of all time. And uh, then the the backlash to that, which was the solo box office. Um, so then they just decided to pull the plug on the whole thing. Well, it's not working. Abort! Abort! Right. Um, right. The so they wimped out. Okay, they so, gave up too soon. So you say that? Yeah. But. Um, all right, yeah, this is this is kind of a, a complicated thing. Because um, they want us to believe that it was always their intention to wrap it up with three more movies. Well, they're spinning that a little bit, that but that's one, not yeah, true. That that's is not true. Totally not true. There was talk about totally episodes 10, 11, 12 they back never during really the even, announcement. Yeah, yes. Of the, of the new movies, yeah. At least by us there was. <laughs> No, I remember seeing those Roman numerals in print. Uh, you know, some of it was speculation, but the future was bright. They were going to alternate these uh, standalone films. Yes. You know, character uh, specific character films uh, with the saga films and mm-hmm. have and keep up that cadence. And the idea was that the Star Wars saga, which, by the way, um, I don't know how saga and Skywalker became. Uh, inextricably connected because this to me the Mandalorian is part of the Star Wars saga. I don't. Yeah, I, but it's know. not directly interconnecting with the story of the people that we have come to know and love in this trilogy. It's the just hell it isn't. We haven't even universe. seen the series wrap. You know, we haven't even seen everything. Who knows what characters? I mean, they've already introduced. A member of Yoda species. There's speculation could be a clone of Yoda. It could be an offspring of Yoda. Who knows? I think there's definitely. I think that for me, the saga moniker means is essentially these are the stories we are telling mm-hmm. within this universe. I guess I just have a broader definition of what the saga is. I know mm-hmm. they were doing this dance of while well, there's saga films. Jim, I remember you and I, we kind of, you know, we said, well, we used to call them like the Roman numeral films, you know, back, you know, five, six years ago. We were talking about all this stuff. I used Um, to at first just call it Star Wars Empire and Jedi. Well, I'm talking about when the, yeah. Then it became the trilogy. Right. Then it became the saga. And now the saga has a definitive title, the Skywalker Saga. And uh, no, I think it's all fair. I think it's all fair because they're going to start with something fresh and new. And I don't think the connective tissue was going to be there as much as it has been, meaning connective tissue of all the media, 
um, between the films themselves. I don't think it's going to be there. I think you're going to be dealing with core elements of Star Wars moving forward. How much? Okay, let me ask you this. How much connective tissue do you think there really is between this movie, The Rise of Skywalker, and the original trilogy? Well, Carrie Fisher's in it. Mark Hamill's in it. Uh, Billy D. Williams is in it. Chewbacca, three PO, R two, uh, Star Destroyers, Millennium well, okay. Falcon. Okay, all right. Well, Shall Carrie Fisher's got a cameo because they only have they have literal seconds of footage of her. Right. I Mark Hamill is a Force ghost. He'll we be know in one that. Too. Right. Exactly. I, what I'm saying, I don't think there's anything all that deeply connected. Now. Last Jedi, very much connected. Force Awakens, very much connected. Probably, certainly the most connected, I think, of, uh, we'll see, uh, of the two. Um, and this, look, this is not me taking a crap on the movie before it comes out. I'm just saying, why can't they, I don't know why they have to be so, um, it's, just the, it's just the little kid that's taking his ball and, and going home. They've gone the for this grander him. idea. Yeah, yeah. What, Bob hitting the pause button. I think that was his word. Yeah. Hitting, yeah, hitting the pause hitting button. Hitting the pause hit, button. The pause button is Bob's uh, pause. pause. But, um, <laughs> that just, but, that's what I, I resent so much. It's like, just, you know, it's not like after the last James Bond movie, they said, we're going to hit the pause button. Daniel Craig said that he'd rather slit his wrist than do another James Bond. We're going to hit the pause button on Bond. No, there's just always the pri- James Bond will return. Star Wars will be back. What's wrong with that? I, I just think it's just such a cheap move. And and Kathleen Kennedy is saying, look, as long as I'm alive, I know Star Wars is going to continue. We're just talking about the Skywalker movies <laughs> is, is what she says. But it's the end of the Star Wars saga. And that's how they're promoting it. And they're not saying in the in the uh, in the TV spots. It's the end of the Skywalker saga. They're just like, it's the end. It's the end. And it's just a give- grub. It's just a grab for for uh, for ticket sales. Give uh, Palpatine all the dialogue, you know. This is the final battle. This is the end of the Skywalker story. You know what? Final end. Final in the end is the new let the past die from Last Jedi. Right? How many times did we hear let the past die, kill it, become, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now we've got this is the end. It's over. Ain't no future now either. Yeah. We killed All the right. past. Now we're yeah. going to kill the future. I've, um, I've said my piece. I've said my piece. I want to move on because we've got lots of great yeah, stuff. I don't want to yeah, break but it I all. Mean, with, I, you uh, know, I think it's fair. You're saying what you're saying, but I, I think that it's also fair that the marketing machine promotes the finality of this. I, I think it is is totally fair. It's going to be a grand finale you know well, we hope you so. want everyone to be there for it so yeah. uh i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be grand i think it's gonna be exceptional um but uh it would nice to, it'd be nice to see some of that in these in these trailers you know we uh we just recorded bondcast so you james bond fans out there be looking out for our uh, coverage of or our analysis of 1983's octopussy but at the beginning of that jim we talked a little bit about the um no time to die trailer that was just released and we you know you were describing the trailer because you just watched it and you said oh it's great i know i know what characters are coming in and i know what what uh what 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 story they're trying to tell i'm really excited for it and it just to me it was just um illustrative of how little we've actually been given about this finale other than we know what's the finale all we've been told is it's the finale 
That's all we've really been told. There's, there's no narrative to any of these trailers. No narrative at all. We didn't have too much narrative going into The Mandalorian, quite honestly. Well, you know, we just okay. knew. We just knew it was a it's not the saga Mandalorian film. bounty hunter who is uh, out there. Yeah, but see, I mean, that it's a brand new thing, The Mandalorian. With the saga, we already have a vast history backing up what we already know about it rolling into it. So I, I think it's fair to let general audiences understand that it's coming to an end. But that's Regardless all of they're whether- saying. There's no story beats. There's 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 nothing. Well, they're acting like that. We've grown up with these characters. We've known these characters for five years, not ten years like the Marvel characters, not uh, nine years like the original trilogy characters, not twenty uh, some years like the Star Trek characters. Six years. They want us to get. They want us to get all nostalgic. The original trilogy, we only knew those characters for six years in 1983 when they wrapped it all up. That's one additional year compared to as long as we've known these characters in the sequel trilogy. So what year makes that much of a difference? So you're telling me that these characters have earned the resonance and and, and have established themselves to the degree of the original trilogy characters to where you're going to be sitting there holding back tears because it's the last time you see Poe Dameron? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Let's see how impactful his uh, final scene is. I might be weeping like a child. but and, And you're asking me. And the answer would be no. But I think to many people, these characters have resonated with them uh, as as strong as the original characters resonated with us. How can you say that? I am saying for some fans, absolutely. Some fans connect more to the sequel. And and yeah, you know, probably younger fans. Sure. But um, they're also part of the audience. And um should be uh, considered. I wouldn't yeah. say that's baloney. I think that there's a lot of Let, people out there let's who will see, tell though, you let's they prefer see. Ray, Poe, and Finn to Han, Luke, and Leia. Let's, I know. As crazy as it sounds. As crazy yeah, as let's it sounds. Let them, but there let's, let's, is, uh, there is, you know, that that's... Let, everyone else, let everyone else not buy tickets. And let's just let the people who are just as... Ta- as who are more taken with Ray, Finn... And Poe, let's just let them go buy tickets to Rise of Skywalker and see what the box office is. That would be an without any nostalgia, without any of the original trilogy or prequel trilogy fans. I'm them, not just throwing out original trilogy. I'm talking about prequel trilogy as well. Clone Wars. I'm talking about. Uh, come on. No, it's true. It's true. There, there are plenty of fans out there who are very emotionally not enough, attached. Not enough to so make Ray, it more than a lifetime Finn, movie. And, and you know this. You know this is a fact. You know. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not enough. Not enough to move the needle on a big box office film. It might not. They be. have to trade on the nostalgia. It might not be. It might not be. We might be looking at the lowest grossing film out of the three of the sequel trilogy. This very well might be the lowest grossing film out of all three of them. And that's why it's essential for the marketing machine to let the general audience know that this is the end. This is last call. And so that may actually help the box office, especially in the wake of the most divisive Star Wars film of all time, (laughs) The Last Jedi. All right. Hey, all right. So speaking of that, more with uh, J.J. Abrams. I mentioned that Carrie Fisher has little more than a cameo, but let's find out what's J.J. saying about... 
this. Uh, oh, oh, important, important, oh. important. Whoa. Remember at the Whoa. beginning of the show? Yes. At the beginning of the show, I told you Poltergeist Carry shows up during the uh, media junket, oh. and you'll hear <laughs> Poltergeist Carry show up and make her presence known as JJ is answering this question about Carrie Fisher herself. All right, here we go. Like everyone here uh, who knew her, loved Carrie. And I I knew her for a a long time, uh, not very well, but I I, I knew her for a while before Force Awakens. And, um, you know, obviously, as we've discussed, the idea of continuing the story without Leia was an impossibility. And there was no way we were going to do a digital Leia. There was no way we were, of course, ever recast it. But we couldn't do it without her. And when we went back to look at the scenes that we hadn't used in Force Awakens, what we realized is we had an opportunity. And we could use that footage, use the lines that she was saying, use the, literally the lighting. The lights flicker. That was amazing. <laughs> okay, watch this. The lighting. <laughs> um, that was creepy. Hi, Carrie. Yeah. Hi, Carrie. That's so Carrie, by the way, to do that. Yeah. Um, really weird. Um, in any event, uh, we knew that we had an opportunity to use the footage to, uh, to create scenes that Leia would be in. Ah, all right. So that's when we see the, uh, the shot. By the way, they, they do use CG. She wasn't standing there holding a lightsaber, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah, the um, hands, there could be the some trickery here. Look a little manipulated, there. but they're not—they're not recreating Carrie as a computer model. But they may be doing some head swapping going on. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what—that that sort of technology goes back to Episode One, 1999. I remember um, the actor uh, Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp, Chancellor Valorum, in that one scene where he's standing there and he's in that pod and he's pointing um and he's saying do you defer blah 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 blah," you know (laughs) when they're they're in that moment um he's pointing originally terrence stamp shot that sequence and he was not pointing at the at the just pointing you know he wasn't just standing there right Mm -hmm. and lucas wanted to make him point so they reshot the scene again in the pod with a stand-in wearing the same wardrobe pointing and they just swapped the heads digitally and they were able to that's the scene do you defer blah 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 and you know what's kind of interesting is um i I, now i can't i'm just going off the top of my head um star wars trivia minutia floating through my brain but i believe the actor that they got to stand in and point was um alan harris who was the same actor who actually played bosk in uh empire strikes kidding yeah, and he was also a rebel soldier at the beginning of A New Hope. He was that one you see who's kind of hunched down. They give him a nice close-up, and he's kind of a, got like the um, sort of a, a peppery gray hair look. And, you know, you see him, and he's crouched down there, and he's one of the rebel troopers waiting for the Vader and the stormtroopers to come through. And he's down there, and they, they give him a nice little close-up. Yeah, Alan Harris. Alan Harris, <laughs> yes, he was a stand-in for Terrence Stamp and. uh Phantom Menace in 1999. So knowing that George Lucas was doing this back in the late 90s, it's nothing for the wizards at ILM these days now to put Carrie's head on somebody else's body. And would that be considered... 
George was cutting this stuff up so finely, Jim. He would talk about using the eyes in one shot and the mouth in another shot from the same actor. No, he was they, they were he was going crazy with that stuff. We had him on uh, RFR last week saying, "Yeah, I may have gone too far on this. <laughs> <laughs> I may have taken it too far." Yeah, that's a video worth checking out. It's on yeah. YouTube, by the way. And uh, our friend Chris Fisher did a nice little wacky edit of uh, us kind of uh, recreating that moment when George is in the editing suite. And uh, he's like, oh, did yeah, Chris do the... that? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Funny. yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a funny one. So uh, he gave me permission to slap that onto our video. So yeah, it's up uh, on YouTube. So go to the yeah, make sure you, by stuff. the way, you're subscribed to Rebel Force Radio's YouTube channel. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's a lot of fun there. So, uh, yeah, you heard Carrie flicker the lights there, right? When Abrams is talking about her and says lighting mm-hmm. and she like flips the light switch. Crazy, man. That's great. And that was Carrie Fisher. There's that's been uh, confirmed. Well, I got to say, I went <laughs> I, I went to a wedding once. I'll just give you just real quick. I went to a wedding one time. Catholic wedding. Big, you know, uh, uh, Catholic church, you know, very ornate. And it was uh, two very young people who were getting married after they had already had a child out of wedlock. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, the the all the uh, all the signs were uh, pointing to you know shotgun wedding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when the when the priest said, if anyone here feels that these two should not be wed, may they speak now, forever hold their peace. Huge clap of thunder, lightning flash, and all the lights of the church went out. Swear to <laughs> God, uh, that happened. So the- <laughs> and off to a life of wedded bliss. The <laughs> well, they're no off. longer married. Oh, I can tell you that. But wow. uh, hey, this stuff does happen. This stuff does happen. But that's uh, funny uh, that Carrie made a. Not only does she make a cameo in The Rise of Skywalker, she's also uh, making cameos in all of the press junkets. Yeah, no, we're going to be uh, interviewing her next week. <laughs> Uh, at uh, Skywalker Rises in Chicago or in Cleveland, I'm sorry, Skywalker Rises in Cleveland. We're gonna be doing. We're gonna be interviewing Kara. Damn, can I just spit this joke out? <laughs> we're gonna be interviewing her via Ouija board. Yeah, that's it. That's what he was trying to say. Ouija board. All right. <laughs> this is just like this stuttering. Uh, yeah. Stutter. All right. <laughs> Fill All in right. the blank. Let's... So, Jason, last week. You got the Christmas gift. I sent you the Bose Star Wars AR enabled Rise of Skywalker Quiet Comfort 35 wireless headphones, too, with the motion sensors embedded inside that can detect where your head and body is. And as promised, the Bose 360 degree audio augmented reality timeline of the history of the lightsaber from Anakin to Luke to Ray has been made available on the official Star Wars app. So have you tried it out yet? I sure did. It was it was very, very cool. Um, so basically, you uh, make sure that you have the Bose Connect app installed on your device. Yes. And that will obviously connect the, uh, the headphones, the AR-enabled headphones, to your device and recognize the fact that these are not just any old headphones. They are AR-enabled. And then... You boot up the official Star Wars app, uh, and right there on the uh, homepage of the app, you see the uh, call out for the Bose AR experience. Tap on that; it'll download 
that component, and then you are off to the races. And, yeah, it's an interactive timeline, and it starts with it's the whole history of the Skywalker lightsaber, and uh, it starts with uh, its first appearance in Episode 3 after the Battle of Geonosis, and Anakin uh, gets his new lightsaber after he loses his old one. When it reappears after uh, Episode 3 with uh, Ben bequeathing the uh, sword to Luke Skywalker and then it disappearing again during the Bespin duel. And then it reappears again there on Takadana as it finds its way into Rey's hands and ends up in a big battle there between Rey and Kylo. And, um, well, actually two battles because uh, it is destroyed, presumably, He's broken in half at the end of The Last Jedi. The audio journey through the history of the lightsaber is a blast because you're there when Obi-Wan and Anakin are having their duel on Mustafar. And you can walk over toward Obi-Wan and hear his side of the story. You were the chosen one! Or you can hear Anakin just be like um, like a little, uh, little birdie on his shoulder. I hate you! Yeah, so during these scenes, it knows where you are relative to the characters on the map, and that's what you your audio experience is. It's as if you're standing in between them, or as if you're as if you are them. That's what's really kind of interesting is that, uh, and the audio clips are. Uh, I'm sure you appreciate the fact that there's some of the cleanest yeah. audio you'll hear uh, ever from the uh, the Star Wars films. So they yeah. really restored these things and brought some of the dialogue out more clean and clear than you've ever heard it before. It's so true, Jason, that audio experience features spatialized sound for unique gesture-driven interaction where you can freeze the scene, you can move toward elements, and hear different content. So you experience the whole story from all these different angles. My favorite thing that you said, and you said it before we started up the show when we were both just gushing over this AR experience was uh, when you were at that part in the timeline when Luke is training on board the Millennium Falcon, learning how to use the lightsaber for the first time. And uh, everyone knows that classic scene. So what else is happening during that moment? Well, R2-3PO and Chewie are playing hollow chess. And Jason, you told me you went and sat down right between 3PO and uh, Chewie and was able to uh, enjoy the, the game from that perspective. It was it's awesome. Really cool. I had, you do walk all over the main you hole. Do, the you do. And I had, I had 3PO in my left ear. I had Chewie growling in my right ear. I mean, it was uh, it was incredible. It was like being there. I just kind of sat there with my eyes closed and you know listened to the scene play out. And uh, so, and, and as you're approaching a character, their voices get louder and louder. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. you're really approaching Obi Wan or Han Solo sitting there. I love that. So we want you to love it too. Check out Bose.com/RebelForce to learn more and get on board with these Bose AR-enabled products, especially their incredible Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Quiet Comfort 35 wireless headphones too. They're amazing and they look great. You got the, they're jet black with the red side. Let's people know that you got your Sith going on. So 
uh, it's definitely a dark side statement you'll be making with these limited edition headphones. And they are very limited. I mean, these are collector's items in themselves. They come in an amazing collectible box that you'll want to keep and display in your collection forever. It's great. It looks like uh, Kylo Ren's helmet. And you open and you have the headphones there proudly displayed with the Star Wars logo and some of that great Rise of Skywalker poster art featuring Kylo and Ray having a saber duel. So visit Bose.com slash Rebel Force right now and get on board with Bose and Star Wars. That's Bose.com slash Rebel Force. All right, so now we get to uh, what everybody wants to hear, is, which is the... The the DC Fox affiliate, yeah, DC yeah the Fox Five. affiliate DC. That's uh, good they, stuff. They they did a really good job, and uh, their um, reporter uh, asked J.J. Uh, Abrams in a one on one how he was surprised by the Last Jedi. As the guy who directed Episode Seven, what happened in Episode Eight that he found surprising? I'd read the script. It wasn't like I I just went to go see yeah. Last Jedi, but I I, I saw what. Ryan was doing what I what I loved about his approach was that he was just subverting all expectations yeah. everywhere you looked, and I think that the you know the, maybe the biggest surprise was not the biggest you know you think Luke dying maybe was the biggest surprise or you know um, you know uh, I guess I spoiler alert but Ren killing Snoke there were certain things that yeah. felt like they were you know weirdly for me the thing that like was the most surprising was Phasma dying because I, 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 I that was one of those characters that I, I thought that there was actually something else. You know, but look, it would have been, you know, no one wants a character to die. Mm. And yet, you know, I, I know that when, you know, we had uh, Kylo Ren, you know, kill Han Solo, that was done because it was, you know, Harrison always knew that there needed to be utility for the character. Yeah. And he had famously always wanted Han to die and serve that purpose. But it felt like this was a way to begin to define Kylo Ren, uh, not just a way to kill a character. Mm. So mm-hmm. I can see why Ryan chose to do that with some of these characters. But I guess for me, the biggest surprise, weirdly, was was Phasma yeah. the way she did. Weirdly, he's that's that's JJ a polite speak for like, what the hell was he thinking? Why Phasma? Yeah, but I mean, let's I had face plans it. for Phasma. Yeah, I guess JJ must have considered Phasma to be an emerging character, right? Because well, the character all? does well. The character does very little. In The Force Awakens, I remember a lot of our friends were complaining about the lack of that character being used in Episode 7. And part of me was under the impression that Phasma died in Episode 7 when they destroyed the Starkiller base. I just assumed she was trapped down in the trash compactor and got blown to bits. But then a comic book series from Marvel came out after the release of that film indicating that she had survived, getting us set up for her big return in The Last Jedi when she essentially only showed up for one scene, the fight scene, that ended up contributing greatly to her demise. So um, Phasma's gone. And I think uh, Abrams thought that that character might have had a little more significance. But let's be honest here. He didn't really give that character too much respect in episode seven. So, no, 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 he he didn't. But I mean, there was a lot of hay uh, made about that character and Gwendolyn Christie, uh, you know, in the role and all of that. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I you know, I, I think that uh, I was surprised. I, I really was surprised. When I saw The Force Awakens, which, by the way, 
you know, in case there's any doubt, I absolutely adore The Force Awakens. And nothing that The Last Jedi um, does or doesn't do will ever change my mind about. You can't look at that scene with Luke at the end without knowing that he throws that saber over his shoulder. It's it's permanently tainted. Don't uh, you, think? you know what though? I it, it it of course when I watch the Force Awakens that enters my mind at that moment. But it's so majestic that introduction I, with the music and she goes up to that beautiful location and I he slowly that. turns around. He does one of these. He's like That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I've been practicing. Uh yeah, for those who um, who for for those who are just listening to the audio podcast, I uh, I'm wearing a hoodie. And so I was able to replicate Luke turning around and removing his hood in the exact way Mark Hamill did it. Yeah, Jimmy wears hoodies a lot in the fall and winter. And I think yeah, it's yeah, because I you do. can do those dramatic Jedi moves. It, it's, 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 it has a lot to do with, with being a Jedi. And also, this, I'm a T-shirt guy, so you throw on a hoodie and you're, you're fine. It doesn't right. matter. Jimmy but um, tuxedo right there. Just throw the hoodie <laughs> on over the... This is, this is <laughs> Mac formal wear. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that, though, so that's funny to me that J.J. says, uh, well, a couple of things. One, you know, subverting expectations. I mean, man, oh, man, is that a talking point now? When, yeah. when we talk about subverting expectations, uh, it's not done with, like, you know, whimsy. Like, oh, the way that he subverts expectations is so fascinating. And I, I think if, 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 if we were to take J.J. Abrams out for drinks, you know, go to the bar with J.J., yeah. have some beers, yeah. I, think, I think by the third or fourth beer, J.J. would be like, oh, it's, I really think about that. Well, you know. Um, you know that guy just blew everything. I laid out everything for him, and it just blew it. What's you he know, thinking? Are you fast than Luke? That's what I think. I mean, the guy, J.J. was lured back into uh, or lured to the project of Star Wars by saying, hey, who is Luke Skywalker? Who is right. Luke Skywalker? And yeah. we're supposed to believe that that lured him in only so he could <laughs> throw the guy in the last 10 seconds of the movie without setting him up properly? Well, you know, um, there's He's been interesting stories talked about that. Uh, Michael Arndt actually revealed that... Uh, Pushing Luke back to the end of the movie almost was a, a choice being made to uh, be able to focus in on the new characters. Right. And so right. when I hear things like that, I believe it's a directive from above. I don't think the filmmakers themselves actually have anything to do with it. I think it comes from higher ups, Kathleen Kennedy uh, and up. You know, maybe Carrie Hart, she was involved in this stuff too, exerting a lot of influence. But Kathleen Kennedy on up, meaning also. Alan Horn, also Bob Iger. I think a lot of these these par- these characters, um, they they came into uh, the creative process of breaking the story for Episode Seven, and uh, before anyone put pen to paper, they said the hero, the protagonist, must be female. And Luke must die when it came point for episodes. Those, eight. those were. Those I were don't the, think those were the two mandates. I don't think those things came from the filmmakers. I think they came from up above the executives. Yeah. I think the executives were making that call. So when they say that these films are all very personal for each individual filmmaker, it's like, well, the parts that you left behind, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and that even goes for J.J. Abrams. George Lucas himself was breaking a story with a, a female protagonist. Actually, sure. he had a, well, he had the, the two grand 
grandchildren of Darth Vader, Vanakin Skywalker, uh, an, another set of twins, both aged around age 20. And uh, you had Sam and Kira, and those were going to be your uh, protagonists for this uh, new trilogy. Uh, Kira became Rey, and uh, elements of Sam ended up with uh, the Finn character, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's sort of how it all got boiled down after J.J. came in and uh, shook things up and uh, took away the notion of Anakin's grandchildren and uh, shifted the story to be about a loner orphan living um, solo in the desert, uh, you know, great. <laughs> I love the setup. I, I'll tell you, I, I think I, I, I'm, I, I gush when I talk about Force Awakens. And I, I think this idea of, you know, the, the dark rises and the light to meet it. I, I love that concept. And I love that the, that we could talk about the force uh, creating Ray in anticipation of a, a, a new uprising of, of the dark side. Uh, all of that's great. I love, I love Finn. I, I, I thought, and I think Poe is a great character. Um, the, the introduction of the characters I think is, is, is damn near perfect. Mm. It's what happened after their introduction that I really uh, have an, an, an issue with. And I'm, and I'm hoping, you know, as all these articles, I'm sitting on article after article, and they all say that Star Wars fans' hopes are pinned on J.J. Abrams. Can he, can he bring the magic back, uh, the magic that he started in Episode 7? Can he do it? I hope he can. Going in open-minded and optimistic that's for sure i find it interesting that this is the first star wars film i'm legitimately walking into with a uh, critical eye uh i i gotta say that i've always been very loosey and go with the flow about everything and uh go ahead and listen to uh some of our podcasts in the wake of the last jedi and you'll definitely hear a jimmy mack going with the flow it wasn't until all the fallout and discourse that started to uh, sour me on that film. And I just, it hasn't aged very well for me, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and a lot of uh, my, my rewatchability, as far as that film goes, gets sort of tainted because of all of the stuff that's been swirling around that film. Not even the film itself sometimes is at fault for what I might consider to be my uh, shifting tastes in that film. I I still try to stay open-minded about as much of that film as possible. Um, But it gets harder and harder all the time because, after all, it is the most divisive film (laughs) in the history of Star Wars. But that being said, I can't let it interfere with my enjoyment of episode nine. Um, but it has provided me with a more critical edge as I walk into that theater next week and sit down in my seat. And that's not anything that's really something that I'm trying to, uh, sharpen or focus it's just part of my programming now as a fan and i can't escape it and what i'm hoping for and i've said this time and time again that we'll be able to look at some of those elements of the last jedi in a different light after we get the full story with the rise of skywalker i i truly hope that i i i hope that there will be a sharper perspective on some of the things that went down in that film 
apart from the subverting expectations thing because i'm getting a little tired of hearing that myself that's like the spin they're trying to put on it so now for the rest of history we'll be like oh that was the film that subverted expectations and then our (laughs) grandchildren will be like well geez uh episode eight of nine isn't that a little late in the game gramps And I'll just say, I have spoken and uh, <laughs> and shuffle back to my bedroom. I have spoken. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> um, by the way, for those of you in um, they're wondering about the definition of the word subvert, it means to undermine the power and authority of. So to undermine the expectations that people had going into uh, a film yeah uh, you know to uh destabilize to unsettle to overthrow to overturn to bring down the expectations That's and it's really just it like means. i said it's so late in the game to be pulling that off a lot of people will say well empire strikes back subverted expectations and i'll say well yes it did in in, in certain ways it, it most certainly did um but it didn't um in a satisfying way it didn't try to, it didn't unravel <laughs> And now we're dealing with all of these years later and all of these other films and television series and novels and books. It's it's, it's much more complicated than it was back in the Empire Strikes Back days. Well, it's much that's when the, the saga, the, the the whole flavor of the franchise was still being established. Now we're dealing with an establishment. And I think to subvert things in episode eight of nine is just a little late in the game. And uh, you wouldn't want to do that if you really thought episode nine was going to be the end of the Skywalker saga. You wouldn't do that. You know, if it was episode eight of 12, yeah, there's a lot of wiggle room there, you know, um, but episode eight of you nine. You think it's too late. You think it's too late to, to, to throw in those massive curveballs. If, well, if they're going to, you know, that's a really good point, though, Jim, because you've brought this up before. And I have, I have, I've been, I've gone back and forth in whether or not I agree with you here, but that's where where I'm struggling. Which is, which is it? Is this episode? Is this really episode nine of nine, or is this really episode three of this new story? And that's where I have a, that's where I have some difficulty. Which is okay. Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna say that this is wrapping up this personal exploration of these. Uh, filmmakers, uh, you know, their personal uh, story, which is what Kathleen Kennedy has talked about with J.J. and Ryan Johnson, putting their personal spin on it. um, That's one thing. But if it's if it's wrapping up this larger thing, you're absolutely right. Episode eight is a little bit uh, a little bit late in the game to be uh, throwing those subversions. Uh, I do want to mention here, as I mentioned, as I said earlier, there was a piece in Entertainment Weekly. They're doing a big uh, retrospective on the history of the Star Wars saga. They've got multiple covers on newsstands now. Have you and, noticed uh, the exclusion, the character exclusion who could have landed on any one of those three covers, but ended up on none of them? R2-D2. No. C-3PO. No. Chewbacca. No. <laughs> now, see, I got to pull the covers up now because you know, I, I, I those guys are there. But. I don't know. I don't know. Let me see if I can get it. Just take a look at those covers 
for uh, the Entertainment Weekly Star Wars, and uh, you'll see. Uh, um, Okay, where's R2? Is R2 there? Oh, there we are. Okay, yeah, R2 and 3PO are there. Uh, Chewbacca is there. He's on the sequel one. R2 and 3PO are on the original trilogy one. But who is it? Who's there? He could have been on right. any three Hold of on a those. Uh, he could have been on, and I'm just giving you a hint, could have been on any three of those covers. Yoda. Yes! Yoda! Where's Yoda? Well, maybe it's the, you know, we talked earlier about them wanting to avoid baby Yoda. Maybe Yoda, even Yoda uh, himself is too close. Yeah. Too yeah, close Yoda to baby himself. Yoda. Uh, we have received uh, reconnaissance from uh, our rebel spies uh, who are working uh, overtime, scouting out the Galaxy's Edge area. And they have noticed a huge uh, display of Yoda uh, uh, little... Uh, what would you call those little squishies? Little they're, plushies. They're like little plushies. plushies. Yeah, 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 like yeah. the size of those things people used to collect all the time. Uh, like Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies, right. Beanie Baby size Yodas. And they're like now all of a sudden prominently displayed <laughs> at the entrance of all of these shops at Galaxy's Edge because it's a cute-looking little Yoda uh-huh. that I think they're trying to pass off now is Baby Yoda. So I, I just uh-huh. find that interesting. To- well. You know, I, I've, of course, they're going to they're going to capitalize. They're going to. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to. But I, I, um, I want to share this. OK, real quick here, um, because I, I think it's important to mention the amount of well, the level of uh, of care that was taken with these. When you talk about Empire Strikes Back, subverting expectations. So let, let, let's talk about that, because the biggest not only was the I am your father moment huge in terms of the whole Star Wars saga, but it was huge in terms of cinema. It was it was perhaps one of the most iconic moments. It's up there with, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's up there with um, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. I mean, we're talking about in the annals of cinema. This is one of this is in the top five most iconic moments. I am your father. So they went back uh, Entertainment Weekly. Uh, James Hibbard spoke with uh, Lawrence Kasdan about that specifically that moment. And um, I love the way that Hibbard introduces this. He says, you know, the revelation worked because it was shocking and disturbing. Luke's father is not only alive, but also his mortal enemy. It worked because it came at the end of a gripping lightsaber battle that left Luke pummeled, maimed, and defeated. It worked because it made sense, even though the twist wasn't conceived by George Lucas until after he shot 1977 Star Wars. And it worked, screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan tells EW, because literally every previous scene in Empire was written and executed with this revelation in mind that's the level of tlc that was given to this moment uh so kazdan says he says it's like if you were trying to get to mars and you were one degree off you wouldn't get there that's what that scene was like for all of us how do we get there at the perfect time the perfect place and have it just absolutely blow people's minds it was just extraordinary the size of the picture and the expectations people had for it the filmmakers were focused the entire time on this one revolution which we not only want to pull off in the best way possible but 
in the way, but to also keep it hidden from the world uh, prior to release. So Lawrence Kasdan talking about... They did about, a terrible job of that, by the way. Well, thank because you, Because the novelization Proud. and the comic and the book and the, the scholastic picture book and everything came out about a month before the film landed. I read the novelization of Empire Strikes Back before I saw the film in 1980. And I knew the revelation. Um, the thing that shocked me the most about Empire Strikes Back, um, despite reading the whole novel and knowing everything about it before I walked in, the one thing that really shocked me was when Vader sliced off Luke's hand. Mm -hmm. That didn't come across as clear as... Um, dismemberment in the in the book. It, it just seemed like he took a slash on the arm. Uh, from what I remember, but seeing it in the movie and watch his hand fly off, I was like, "Holy crap!" The Wait, stakes have never been higher. <laughs> isn't that something that we take for granted? And, and Kazan talks about that. He says, "When George and I were writing the script, one of the major conceits of the trilogy is that over the course of the second act of this three act structure, Luke would not only discover this devastating thing about his past, but we'll see him." We'll see in him those qualities that could go the wrong way. So when he loses his arm, it leads to the next scene where he becomes, he's starting to become literally like a machine, like his father. I mean, the yes. pure brilliance of, of, of Vader striking this blow, which in turn then starts the dominoes falling where Luke yes. could end up exactly like his father. And, you know, one of my favorite moments of my favorite Star Wars film, Return of the Jedi, is when Luke looks down at the mechanical hand before he's ready to strike the fatal blow yes. to a beaten Vader. And that's when he decides that that is the last thing he should do. There is the glove. That's the glove that he was looking down on, the exact glove. one. Um, here, you, you can see this Jimmy on the Mac video, but it. I... I have uh, I yeah. have Luke's glove. This is his actual glove, and I just yeah. He does one of those. He like squeezes his hand, and you can hear the motors in the hand working. I love that little. Uh oh, my hand is malfunctioning. <laughs> it's it's not supposed to be doing this. Oh no! no! Oh, it's a face sucker. <laughs> All right, well, Jimmy Mac recovers. <laughs> <laughs> from that uh let's get to more we've got more here uh um, you have to get the video rfr all access on patreon you gotta have it you <laughs> you can't miss it uh go to patreon.com slash rebel force radio and uh become a patreon supporter in the all access tier and you can get full video of everything you're hearing right now uh you haven't really experienced rfr until you've seen uh the video <laughs> anyway, all right. So we've got we got lots more here. So uh, we had heard Jim uh, that Kevin Smith made in a a a visit to the production there and the uh, sound stages for Rise of Skywalker. In fact, he talked about uh, there being a moment that was happening, and JJ was like, "No, man, you don't want to see this here. You right. see this on the big screen." So, well, the, the interviewer for uh, Fox DC Five in Washington. Um, he asked this of uh, he asked about Kevin Smith's set visit, and um, I just thought we'd play it because we've talked about it a few times on the show. So it's nice to hear from JJ and get his take on it. And so the guy asks, he says, uh, "You know, is it true you refuse to let Kevin see a set out of fear that it might destroy the end of the movie for him?" 
and you were trying to protect him as a fan. And uh, here's what JJ had to say. In fairness, when Kevin was there, and uh, he may or may not um, appear in the film, uh, please say I, he's in the movie. I, I'm not gonna he was say a trooper it. in Seven, though. I'm, I'm just going to say he may or may not appear in the film. But I will say that Kevin, who is a friend, um, when he was there, I, I know that I was in the middle of what was, as it was for the entire shoot, uh, a bit of just mad distraction. Like there were eight million things going on. So this very well may have happened exactly as you described. Um, <laughs> you I do know that there was a thing he could have gone to look at that, that wasn't necessarily the final shot, but it was the end of the movie that uh, I could see why. But as we're talking, I'm thinking, oh, man, he should have gone. He should have gone to look at it because, it, you know, it, it wouldn't have broken him. Yeah, so maybe, you know, I don't know if Kevin was making a big deal out of the fact that J.J. Uh, told him to look away. Don't look at it. Yeah. You don't want to see this. You want to save this for the movie. And J.J.'s like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> He's downplaying it. He's downplaying bit. it. J.J. is spinning a lot of plates. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think in retrospect, he looks back at things and sort of sees it in a different light. And that's why I think we're going to be getting the art of the Rise of Skywalker book. I don't know if you've heard of this, Jason, but mm-hmm. the book has been pushed back. It's been delayed. I heard something until, uh, about this. Yeah. Normally we this. get this. I, I remember we were in, in Chicago for The Last Jedi. Yeah. And uh, Sheldon and Rich Brendel and a bunch of us went out that next morning after we saw the movie, walked through the beautiful city of LaGrange there and went to the local bookshop and bought up every copy of Art Of and uh, Illustrated Guides and all that stuff. So you're telling me that I'm not going to be able to go out with you and Billy Mac on December 20th and hit the books a million and buy the Art Of book? Yeah, it's been a big mystery because it was supposed to come out like in a couple of weeks or next week. <laughs> I think we're supposed to get the art of book and the visual guide. You know, those visual guides are always a lot of fun because they focus on a lot of the things that are in the background and props and stuff. You know, I used to love them back in the old days when David West Reynolds wrote them. Oh, my God, were they fantastic? Nowadays, they're yeah, but uh uh, they're still just valuable resources. And the art of book, everyone looks so forward to the art of book. It was supposed to come out next week, and it's been delayed until springtime because we heard it specifically because of J.J. Abrams himself that there were some quotes that J.J. saw in the art of book that he disagreed with. He couldn't recall actually giving disagreed them an, with an his interview. Own quotes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that guy's wrong. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> yeah, it's something weird like that. I don't think we'll ever hear the full story on that. But if you've been wondering about the art of the Rise of Skywalker book and why it's been announced now uh, this week that it's going to be delayed, it is directly from J.J. Yeah. Uh, there was something in that book he did he disagreed with. And um, from what we're led to believe, there were quotes taken there that he doesn't recall ever giving. So, um, And I don't think that there's anything fishy about it. I just think, like I said, the guys on the set, He's got a lot of plates spinning. He's got a lot of work to do. It sounds like they were creating the story throughout the entire process. The oh, story man. was ne- never really locked until they were in the editorial suite after all the footage had been captured. And they were still tweaking the story. I mean, that's that's 
you know, typical for most films, but Star Wars, forget about it. It's a complex uh, maze. And um, so somebody comes up to JJ and they ask him some questions. He says a bunch of stuff. He doesn't even realize who he's talking to. Maybe uh, he's got these, he's multitasking. And uh, then he sees these words in print in the book and he's like, oh crap, man. I, this is not, I never said any of this stuff, you know? And so it becomes a whole big whoop de doo J.J. Abrams, one of the most powerful guys in Hollywood these days. And uh, so they pull the book. They pull the book, and they're going to edit it and uh, fix whatever they put in there. If they misquoted J.J. or if it's just stuff J.J. is not comfortable with. Maybe J.J. didn't realize he was in an interview situation mm. when he was answering these questions. There's a, a million different reasons. But uh, I don't know who wrote the book. Um, but... Um, but that's uh, that's uh, some of the behind-the-scenes scuttlebutt we've heard here at yeah. Rebel Force Radio. So, well, you you hit on something, Jim, and there was an interview with uh, Kathleen Kennedy she gave to the IO9 crew, and specifically the, the, the this um, this question that uh, who's the author on this? I don't I don't see it. Uh, but anyway, it's on IO9. She, the, the interviewer is talking to Kathleen Kennedy and um, Rejwan. What's her first mm-hmm. name? Michelle. 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 Former personal assistant to J.J. Abrams. And well. now you know, big big player in the Star A Wars galaxy. Player, now. Yeah. Huge player. Kathleen Kennedy's number two. She's kind of spearheading the future of the Star Wars cinematic universe for now. So um, many rumors floating out there that... Uh, in the Ray springtime, Wan, we're going to be way. hearing about um, this this uh, you know three headed monster that's going to be running Star Wars. And I don't mean monster in a bad sense, sure. but it's going to be Filoni, Favreau, and Michelle. Hmm. I, I you know I, I hear that that could be. What about Kevin? Feige? Essentially, the new story group. Um, but see, well, Feige will work on his specific project, mm-hmm. but. Essentially, the new story group would be Michelle, Dave, and Favreau. Okay. All right. Just rumors. Just rumors. rumors. All right. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. We're we're led to believe that there is going to be some sort of um, moving around of all the chess pieces happening um, springtime, maybe even as early as January. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be enough time where we'll see what the wake of the Rise of Skywalker is going to be. Yes, yes. Now, so in this piece, IO9, so you were talking, Jim, about uh, J.J. and kind of locking down the film and all of that. And it's, yes. it's important to note um, and, and this, in this IO9 interview with Kathleen Kennedy, the interviewer asks, what was the moment making this movie where everything clicked, where you said, we've got it. This is the way to end the Star Wars saga. Kathleen Kennedy's reply is, I think there was a point in the shooting when there was an epiphany moment in the shooting. Mm -hmm. She doesn't Mm -hmm. say in the development of the story. She doesn't say in the writing of the script. She doesn't say any in the shooting of the movie. Yeah, but you have all of us clearly said, oh, this feels right. Oh, I hope so. You're running film on this. I would hope that it feels right. She says the how getting there, the details and all that. Right up until the end. Yeah. Right up well, until yeah. the end. Yeah, the thing has been getting tweaked. Yep. Uh, the Force that. Awakens operated under a very similar process. The Force Awakens was vastly different when they left the uh, shooting locations 
and sound stages and found themselves in the editorial suite. There was big changes made at that moment for The Force Awakens all the way up into the 11th hour. So Luke was supposed to be exhibiting force powers when we approach him at the end of The Force Awakens. He was going to be standing there, but there was going to be physical representation of his connection to the force, and that would have been in the form of boulders floating, the classic Yoda trick that he taught Luke, you know, meditate and float rocks. Do it. And then that became a joke in The Last Jedi, the whole thing about levitating rocks and stuff. It came up twice when Luke was... uh, coaching Ray on Octu, yeah. and then at the end, when Ray she does it, actually yeah. has to do it, right. she's like, oh, geez, lifting rocks, okay, here we go. But again, you know, kind of uh, taking away from Luke while they do it, because yeah. he was supposed to be exhibiting these force powers, and of course that all changed, and I think that came from Ryan Johnson, actually, hey, will you remove those oh, force yeah, powers? Oh yeah, Ryan was like, this doesn't work for me because I'm going to have a really neutered and ineffective Luke Skywalker. Well, a lot of people want to say, hey, you can't point the finger at Ryan Johnson. That that blame lays at the feet of J.J. Abrams. And stop. He's pointing right at the camera. It lies right at the feet of J.J. Abrams and George Lucas himself. Because in George Lucas's treatments, Luke was exiled. He was exiled on some island somewhere and he was in a dark place spiritually. Okay? Uh, we, get we don't that. know to what degree that George Yeah, well, Lucas yeah, right. Was. Did he cut himself off from the force? Was he a a dick? <laughs> like Lucas? Uh was he um cuz let's face it. In the last Jedi, Luke is not a good dude. He's he's no, he's antagonizing Ray. He's yeah. sarcastic. He's lost his faith. It's not like he's in a dark place spiritually. He has abandoned his faith altogether, and that's just a dark place. There is no spiritually involved in that equation. So, um, I don't think you can lay the. I mean. George did in you know say that Luke had pulled himself out of the galaxy, but I always thought maybe he was out searching for some higher level of spiritual connection to the Force, and that required him to be isolated. Um, unlike Obi Wan Kenobi, who was on a mission when he went into exile, Luke would be on a mission, maybe even to save the Force itself. Now, see, I find that to be compelling, like. Have the Force be at risk and have Luke off on exile trying to not only, you know, trying to 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 um, patch together the essence of the Force. I think that could have been a huge thing to tap into and not have Luke abandon his faith. But, I mean, what, what's the point of us even talking about it? That's no, all. Uh, what if? Who it's cares? Done. Well, we have to see how it all plays out next right. week when we go see episode nine. And it could shine a huge light on what Luke was really doing on Og 2. That can be retcon to a degree. It could be. Well, let's without, talk about without the, subverting it. Let's know? talk about the surviving Skywalker, at least in terms of the film. Uh, and that's uh, Princess Leia. So uh, there was uh, apparently some we've got some uh, Audio of uh, Daisy Ridley talking about the relationship between Ray and yeah. Leia. Here. I like this. I like this uh, clip. I think it uh, it feeds some speculation here. Some of the things that Daisy says. So listen closely, and then we'll come back and tell you what we think. All right. 
I think, and Jojo might disagree, but Ray was looking for a parent figure. Yeah. Um, and Luke just wasn't that for her. Mm. And that's what I always found so upsetting about The Last Jedi and why I felt like it was so emotional doing it. Because, like, all she wants is a family. So um, the the Leia thing, it, even to, ha- to have that sense of someone older and wiser who is mm. helping you, it's such a comforting feeling. Yeah. I think watching it, you do get that sense. Mm. So, so, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Well, she brings up the family thing, you know, and I can't help but think, are we going to get a reveal in the rise of Skywalker that indicates that Ray is somehow the daughter of Leia? I, I, you know, I I just feel like she was kind of tiptoeing around something there when she was talking about it. What I, what I glean from this is that Daisy Ridley, the actress, not too unlike Mark Hamill, the actor, was somewhat disappointed. You got to figure that, you know, Daisy as an actress is invested in this character and she's set up for some sort of revelation in the second film about her lineage, her parentage as an actor. Uh, you're, you're, you're thinking about this and this is going to be um, a big moment. This is going to be, you know, a frame of reference for how you portray the character. So not only is, is, is Ray, the character, looking for that sense of belonging, that sense of family. But Daisy Ridley, the actress, is also looking for a way to anchor the character in something, and it just is more murkiness and ambiguity that she was given. She said, it was difficult for me. She says that. Well, all of the actors talk about their difficulty with The Last Jedi because they were all separated. And uh, that was uh, the film where you really want to build up some of their chemistry together because the three of them were never together in The Force Awakens. That's actually the film where you want to build their chemistry. But, hey, you know, and again, who cares what I think? Water under the, the bridge. Films, it's all water under the bridge. And um, I just, uh, again, hope that we get some real solid uh, and valid reasons for certain things that happen in both episode nine and eight. Um, when you uh, look at uh, the rise of Skywalker, what I, what I'm more curious about though, is not even the sequel trilogy. I'm wondering how the events of the rise of Skywalker will eventually impact the story as we know through episodes one through six. Uh, that's, uh, that's uh, more um, sacred ground to me. Uh, if they want to go back again, you know, like the whole thing about the other mm-hmm. to, to me, it's been firmly and 100% totally established and confirmed that the other is Leia Organa via the dialogue of Ben Kenobi. So I don't know if there are other things that will come into play. Um, because I'll tell you this, I definitely started looking at the original trilogy in a much different light after seeing the prequels. And, um, and so I just wonder how we're going to reflect on episodes one through six after it's all wrapped up and done with in episode nine, which promises to have an impact on those two trilogies as well as sequel trilogy. So what are we getting ourselves into here? You know, just Palpatine alone is going to be a big, a huge uh, factor. I mean, what do you uh, think the odds are that we're going to see hating return is? Anakin, or at least get a voice or something. Oh, something. I think that there, there's no question Hayden Christensen uh, will appear as Anakin Skywalker in this film. I think there's absolutely happen. no question. 
are we going to get actual four spirits in this film? Something we haven't seen since Return of the Jedi. You know, I don't want a whole convention. I, I was talking about uh, this with uh, with a fella at the day job, and uh, he was all gung ho. He's like, "You're going to get the Qui Gon. We're going to have the Anakin. We're going to have the Luke." Like at some point, it gets ridiculous. It looks like something right. out of the Family Guy. All those Force ghosts lined up together. Yeah, Ahsoka, uh, Ezra. They yeah, throw Ahsoka all in, and you know? Ezra. I've been hearing a lot of Ezra rumors. I've been hearing Ezra voiceovers showing I, up. You know, I heard that one too. The Ezra voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I know, Jim, you've maintained that. The animated Star Wars will not yeah. be a factor in these live action films, at least in the in these in, in this, episode nine. Yeah, in, okay, I don't think there's nine. any room for that in episode nine. Too much other and stuff. Quite to honestly, wrap up. quite honestly, I would be pissed off if they wasted any time trying to build the mythology of stuff that was established in the cartoon Star Wars world. Hmm. I, I think you know. We have to keep our eyes on the prize here. And that is wrapping up the cinematic Star Wars saga as it is, as it stands. And to start introducing elements from the animated world is just going to further bog down something that I think might already be bogged down enough going into it. Can I just throw out a question? I, I, this, is, this is a bit of a rabbit trail, but I, I, I feel compelled to do it because earlier we were talking about the Skywalker saga and I, and I well, the, the Star Wars saga, and I, I, I contend that even the Mandalorian is part of the Star Wars saga. Let's just say we fast forward to the year 2022 and we see the next Star Wars film come out. Let's say it's a Knights of the Old Republic or a, it's a film that takes place a thousand years before A New Hope. Right. And let's say for the sake of argument that the prophecy of the chosen one is brought up in this film. Okay. Doesn't that make it part of the Skywalker saga? Um, yeah, but the prophecy itself is larger than the Skywalkers themselves. So well, that's the kind of one of those. refers to a Skywalker. The one who will bring balance. You assume it's this boy, whatever. I, I guess what I'm saying is why paint yourself into a corner and talk about this? It's the end of the Skywalker saga. George and I sat down and we just talked and enough of this. Enough of this. Right, right, right. We're wrapping up this trilogy. We're wrapping up this trilogy. Why, why isn't it that? I like the idea of going back in time to the old Republic and everything and just starting fresh and not introducing any elements. I do that, too, but I'm just, I, I just, I'm throwing that out there as saying, let it stand on its own. Uh, I'm just saying For once, that give us a star Wars that can stand on its own outside of the, it's going to be, it's going to be tempting. Just mm. like with the Mandalorian, it's going to be tempting. You have to look, you have to anchor a star Wars story into something that's familiar. The force, lightsabers, lightsabers, all that stuff, right? Yes. But that stuff isn't exclusive to the Skywalkers. No, it is. It isn't. It's not. It's not. Right. The tech, the the galaxy, the planets, the, you know, the force. And that's, that's really all you need. Um, And then the elements you want to take from Star Wars are things like kick-ass saber duels, 
awesome dog fights in space. Mm-hmm. Things like that that aren't necessarily exclusive to the Skywalkers, but very Star Wars in their nature. Repulsor yeah. lift technology, you know, all of those little things, you know, yeah. that yeah. you can you can take the the handful of ideas and concepts and tropes that I just laid at you. You can you can make a movie with all new that, characters. I think the temptation to have these little Easter eggs, no matter how far back in Star Wars history they decide to go, there's going to be the temptation to drop these little things that will anchor you into the familiar. And whether it be a reference to Yoda, a reference to the Chosen One, there's going to be something that's going to, I think, tug there. I'm tired of the Chosen One. I am so tired of the Chosen One. The prophecy, all of that? Tired of it. I'm tired of it. I am so sick and tired of hearing these repeating conversations and discourse over and over again about that chosen one. I was a star Wars fan for 16 years before I ever heard wisp (laughs) of the chosen one. And I don't need it. It to me that handcuffs the story too much, this whole chosen one prophecy. And don't forget that Yoda said, Hey, we probably misread the thing. What do you want from us? We're idiots. (laughs) I mean, he he misread it must've been, or it could have been. Yeah. yeah. What are you? What are you? A bunch of kindergartners here? You know, with a Dr. Seuss book. Wrong. We were. Yeah. So, so (laughs) it's it's just it's become this thing, this Uh chosen one prophecy. Oh well, Ray better not be the chosen one. Well, who cares if she is or she isn't? I mean, who cares? There is no chosen one. Let me throw that at you. There is no chosen one. It's religious dogma. The stuff Palpatine was laughing at in episode three. I'm team Palps on this one. <laughs> Jedi dogma. Jedi, you take your Jedi dogma and shove it. Because the you know what it does? The Jedi. It restricts storytelling with, with, with things like that. There is no chosen one. You can't wipe out evil out of the galaxy. It's not going to happen. There's always going to be, you know, a a bad element. There's always going to be the bad egg. You can't just because it's 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 too restrictive. Well, you know what? I am restrictive. I I say calling this the end of the Skywalker saga is also restrictive. And I yeah, wish they would no, just it is, it drop is, that. It is. It is. It is. Uh, it drop is. it. Um, it's, it's a statement made by a company that doesn't have a current direction for the franchise. That's the statement they're making. Well, well we're just going to quit now and try to come up with something good enough for you guys, is what they're saying, without all of the restrictions of the previous films. And I think that's fair because you're dealing with the saga now. What's next? Episode 10? How do you get somebody who's, you know, um, how do you get someone on board with that? It, it, they're not going to want to see it. Because, oh, my God, I have to see nine other films just to go to see this one well, film? Forget oh, you know, See, now you it. sound like Bob Iger. You know, Bob Iger, who well, was talking is, there in, is at in, least in Wall Street Journal. I'm not what saying was this they, quote. They they could have executed it, and they could have pulled it off. Yeah, but he now says, their backs are well, against the wall when their own fans are turned against them. Well, here's 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 Iger, here's Iger in Wall Street Journal, you know, saying that he wants the next set of movies to be 
more accessible to common moviegoers. Yes. Unburdened by decades of Star Wars memories. Yes. What? Okay, he wants okay, he wants Star Wars to be unburdened by decades of Star Wars memories. Well, who's carrying decades of Star Wars memories? People like you and me. The fans. We are want- a burden. We are a burden to well, no, no, Bob no, no, Iger. No. Yes, we are. are he's saying that he says he just knows like that I it will said- alienate some fans. Some fans will be alienated. Well, you can't make everyone happy, says Bob Iger. Uh, if you're not going to update a property, doing. you might as well stick it in a museum until it gets old. Say, yeah, well, I, I, I know. I know what yeah. Bob's saying. Um, and I think that's a little bit of frustration seeping out of Bob because he thought Star Wars was just such a, a sure thing. You know, he just, yeah, he just Slam thought dunk. it would be it'd be just a walk in the park. Wind it thus, up and let it go. Thus, the lack of attention to detail that may have gone on behind the scenes. And some rash decision making going on is because of the fact that Bob is shocked and surprised by this. He just thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, just put him on the field and yell play ball and the stadium will pack filled with cheering fans. Um, That's uh, taking uh, both the property and the fan base for granted. Quite mm-hmm. honestly. And I think Iger is still trying to work his way through all of that. And with the success of The Mandalorian, I think he's looking very closely at that. Um, something that bothers me that's been coming up a lot lately are fans who talk about fan service. We talked fans a lot about that on The Mandalorian talk- After Show for right. uh, Chapter 5. I think if you are in the position of a fan mm-hmm. and you're weighing things like fan service, you're almost making a statement that you're too good to be a fan. You're saying that's beneath me. What the normal fans want isn't what I want. The concept of fan service never came across my plate in all of the years of being a Star Wars fan until recently because why? Why? Because of subverting expectations mm-hmm. has become a virtue when consistency should be the key word here, not subversion, consistency. And then you have the people lapping cohesion. up the, cohesion. You yeah. and then you have people lapping up the things that are subverting expectations. Because they never expected it. Because they were never fans in the first place. You have to be a fan to expect things. And (laughs) in order to be subverted, (laughs) you have to come in with some expectation. In order to have some expectation, you have to have a common frame of reference and have been a fan. That's, that's That's a very good point. So I think when people, fans, complain about fan service... I question whether they're actually fans to begin with because they're putting themselves on a pedestal. I'm they're above, above right. service because I'm I'm not just some fan. No. Well, what about <laughs> this? Is there is there a possibility that a property could patronize fans? Yes, it happens all the time, I think. Okay. I think That's it what, when I think time. of when I think of fan service, I think patronization. Right. Of fans. And a lot of people are calling out the last episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 5, is being fan service. But never once did I feel like I was being 
patronized. Yeah. Or patronized, as you say in Canton. <laughs> um, by the way, speaking of Mandalorian After Show, if you're not listening to these shows, you, you, you're, you're missing out. We're breaking down each and every episode of The Mandalorian as it plays out, and we're having a ball. And uh, I just want to make a quick correction. Yes, I know at the beginning of the episode, The Mandalorian lands in Mos Eisley. Not Mos Espa. I get it. Oh, did you, say, did you say? Did you say? I misspoke. Espa? It was a verbal typo. Oh, a verbal oh. typo. I said Espa, and all kinds of emails and all oh, kinds of messages on the social media. Oh, it was I a see. verbal typo. I know oh well, the I'm surprised. I'm surprised we let you uh, let that one slide through. I mean, <laughs> it was right. myself, Billy Mack, Matt Rashid. We all, all. You know what? That that blood is on our hands too. <laughs> Because we should have caught that. We should have caught that right away. Now, in you all should fairness, have shamed me. Maybe a little bit. And maybe that'll come up this Friday. But, um, <laughs> you know, Fennec Shan does make reference to Moss Espa in the yes. episode. Yeah. But, yeah, clearly the the Mandalorian is landing in Moss Eisley. The uh, air traffic control says Moss Eisley. You know, mm-hmm. And we all know where he is. I mean, there's... Nobody thinks that you believe that they were landing. In, you know, yeah, what? I swear I saw Wado's shop. I saw it all. You know, no, no. We all know. We all know. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. Espa, Isley. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. All right. We got we got uh, a few minutes here. Uh, precious moments left in the show. Let's uh, uh, continue with our uh, audio sound bites from uh the All right, then let's just got... jump over to the Stephen Colbert stuff. Oh, Colbert. Because uh, we All got right. yeah, JJ uh, appeared on Stephen Colbert, and, and this is uh, some good stuff here um, where he actually reveals, and this has been something of, a, I think, a tradition here with uh, JJ appearing on talk shows, be it Fallon, Kimmel, or in this case, Colbert. Uh, he uh, reveals what the first n- word is we're going to hear. <laughs> In the rise of Skywalker, so you know, brace yourself. Spoiler alert: This is the first word you're going to hear in the rise of Skywalker, according to J.J. Abrams. What's the first word said in the movie? It, it, it will have no context. Of I don't care. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, it goes. Ready? N- not in the crawl, but the first word spoken. Spoken, not this. Not that. Uh, at. Wow. <laughs> at. Let the, let the theories be spun. And they're like six or seven words that follow. Okay, here's my theory. Yeah. At, at. It <laughs> oh, is no. someone actually, it's not one of our main characters. It's someone, it's a new character we haven't seen before describing something that's happened before, setting up the moment we're about to see in voiceover. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So, my question for you, Swank, is yeah. who is the character that will utter the word at to begin the first sentence of the film? Uh, I'm going to go out in, on a limb, and I'm going to say that the film begins with Ray's training, and that we will hear Leia say at. No. <laughs> what, um, you, you freaking seen it already? <laughs> no, but I, I do know um, about Star Wars films, and I know it's most so often. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, young man. So sit back, listen, maybe take some notes while you're All at right, it. All right, hold on. Let me write but this down. You know mostly, about Star Wars. Films. Mostly the films open 
with the bad guys having the first scene in the film. That's usually how it works, where you see it's the bad guys. So I think it's going to be on board the First Order uh, bridge, and it'll be Huck saying, at last we have the final remnants of the resistance crushed under our thumbs. Thumbs. Feet. Our thumbs. (laughs) Or it could be, say, it could be somebody saying, at at right over there. No, I don't think that's that. It's not at at. At at. We all know it's at at. Because that would be you know it would be a hyphenated at. So it'd be at at. So JJ would have had to say at at, but it's not at at. It has nothing to do with the all terrain armored transports. It's going to be on board a first order. That's my prediction. Okay, we'll see if I'm right. Uh, Next one week. opens up with Qui Gon and Obi Wan. <laughs> not the bad guys. Okay. Well. Um, true. And then, uh, yeah, episode two opens up with, uh, Padme on board the, yeah, Padme ship. And episode three, of course, opens up, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan flying, uh, yes. Yeah. The Battle of Coruscant. All right. But that's prequels. Uh, original trilogy. <laughs> uh, episode with, uh, four, the first line of dialogue is from PO and R2, actually. PO, right. And then uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, that opens up with uh, Luke. Ha- yeah, Luke, Luke and Han. Right. Yeah. yeah also good guys. Uh, right. Episode six. Now, that's where you get into the bad guys where you. Right. Have, OK. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep, command yeah. station, FT-321, yeah. code clearance blue, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. we, yeah, we so are blowing my We, we just my established theory. that you're really wrong. Yeah, yeah, we're blowing my theory way out of the water. <laughs> so don't take notes, actually. Don't listen <laughs> and don't take notes. But I somehow, for some reason, I am convinced. You're feeling hucks. That, um, that episode nine will open on board a First Order starship, and it could be Huck saying it at... Um, notice, okay, we've gone through all of this media. Yes. No Domino Gleason. Right. No Lapita Nuango. Right. No Mark Hamill. Right. And Mark is featured in this film. Why wouldn't you have Mark Hamill being part of your media push for the final film of the Skywalker saga? He is Skywalker. Why is Mark excluded from all this? Is it a choice of Mark or is it a choice of the studio? Is the studio upset about some of the commentary Mark is making? I think Mark is persona non grata. I think they blame Mark for fueling some of the angst throughout the Star Wars fandom. Maybe right. Was Mark uninvited from Star Wars Celebration Chicago? Where is Mark Hamill? They are keeping him quiet. And uh, I don't think that's the choice of Mark Hamill, quite honestly. I think the muzzle has been put on our favorite Jedi Master. Hmm. And uh, he's been told to stay home. He is featured, by the way, in this. um, I was talking earlier about this little bit with uh, Lawrence Kasdan about the I'm your father moment. And Mark has uh, he talks about how. Uh, it didn't really matter anyway. There were wind machines on the set. We couldn't hear the dialogue. But he, he <laughs> does he does throw out the fact that uh, it wasn't until the premiere of Empire Strikes Back that his co-star Harrison Ford found out, along with everyone else, the whole world about the secret. I am your father. And um, he said that uh, Harrison turned to him 
after the premiere and said, Hey, you didn't bleep ink tell me that. <laughs> kid. Yeah. He calls him kid in real life. Kid. Kid. I flowed from one side of this galaxy to the other, but I had no effing idea Darth Vader was your father. <laughs> you didn't tell me, kid. I long to be called kid by Harrison Ford. Can you imagine how I fun know. that when would the, be? Oh, my God, kid. Yeah. yeah, like even if I was just like holding the door open for him at a restaurant. Thanks, Thanks kid. kid. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Life would be. We, we used to be friendly with a PR guy at Lucasfilm who loves Harrison Ford, and he told us at one point uh, one of the biggest thrills was he was at some banquet and Harrison was there. And uh, at one point, Harrison came up to him and said, Hey, kid, you know where to find a knife? He's like, <laughs> Oh my God, Harrison Ford wants a knife from me. <laughs> he called him kid. Oh, man. All right. Well, well, we got one more here from Colbert. Yeah, one more. Uh, JJ. Uh, Talks about uh, the the pressures of writing the ending for the saga. Mm, a lot of pressure. Lot we of always pressure. looked at it as a as a continuation of what came before. So it wasn't really a in our in our minds it wasn't really a reboot. It was it was you know the, an invigoration. <laughs> no, but it was like you know seven eight nine. It was like chapters seven eight nine. It was sort of one okay. one book. Um, ending is much harder. Much 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 harder. It's so hard to end anything. And, and, it's well. It's a. It's a very. It's a. It's a huge responsibility. I mean, it has to work on its own. Mm-hmm. Beginning and middle end for for the movie. It's the end of the trilogy, but it's the end of three trilogies. So to end nine movies, especially when when people care. For some people, it's it's like a, a religion. So to to do something to do service to that story, to end it well, to tell a story that is is epic and also funny and also intimate. It just there were there were so many. Issues and things and Did you ever characters. think, I can't, I can't do this? I think every day there was a moment of, of oh, God, you know. Um, but the truth is, as challenging as it was, uh, th- this has by far been the most rewarding uh, and, and exciting experience that I've ever had. Hmm. Why are you doing it? Why are you putting that on yourself? <laughs> I, I, I still don't get over this. Why, why, why is it ending? Why are they doing this? This is the- Nobody wants it to end. Who's out there going? You know what I, I you know what I want for Christmas this year? Wish they'd wrap up this whole Star Wars thing. Can we do that? Is anybody doing that with Star Trek? We're gonna do new series called Picard. We're gonna wrap up the whole Star Trek saga. It's gonna be great. No more Star yeah. Trek. I no. Just, no one's asking for. Who's clamoring for this? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I have to be honest with you. Um, I have dead very horse. mixed emotions about it. this whole thing. What? What? I, I know it's a dead horse. I'm beating it. I just don't. Well, a little bit. I mean, it's over. <laughs> it's it's over. It's over. And I I almost think it's 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 for the best. You know. I mean, I uh, after listening to all of these uh, interviews and everything, I uh, I was feeling fatigue, and not not in the sense of like a Star Wars fan getting overwhelmed with too much content. Mm-hmm. I was getting just fatigued by the general discourse that has surrounded this sequel trilogy for the last five years. I'm sorry. What do you mean? You're sorry. You're sorry. <laughs> no, for I was what? just. No, I was apologizing. Oh, like, you mean if, for your yeah. discourse? Well, I've yeah, been over the last it. five years, I'm going to yeah. apologize right now for the last five years of you putting up with me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? I mean, we all, we all, we all come into play with uh-huh. something like. 
Sure. Um, but I, I took to the Twitter. Always a smart move when you're feeling a little burnt out. Um, <laughs> and my tweet was uh, simply Raylo shipping Finn and Poe, Snoke theories, Ray's parents, Jake Skywalker. Quite honestly, I'll be happy when it all comes to an end next week. I'm looking forward to the film, just tired of all the discourse surrounding this trilogy and ready for something new and fresh. Oh, there's my tweet itself. You just put it on the screen. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, I see Puppet Lando up there, too, which leads me to our next and final segment of the show. (laughs) Because you may have been noticing throughout all of these sound bites, you have not heard from Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams himself. How could that be? This is the show that originated the Billy D. Quote of the Week. How could we not have Billy D. Williams quotes on this, the final episode before we see the rise of Skywalker. Well, Billy D's most interesting quotes on, uh, as he does the media tour for the rise of Skywalker mostly come via print interviews. Mm-hmm. And there's been some really interesting stuff going on around some of the things <laughs> Billy D has said in these print interviews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I wanted to uh, shine a spotlight on some of the more awkward and um, I don't want to say controversial, but uh, maybe a little. There's a little controversy in some of these uh, quotes. But since we didn't have the actual audio of Billy D, oh. we had to go for the next best thing, and that's Puppet Lando. <laughs> so we have a video segment here for our uh, RFR All Access uh, supporters, and it's Puppet Lando bringing you quotes, interview quotes from Billy D. Williams. Everything you're going to hear Puppet Lando say in this next 90-second feature are going to be direct quotes given by Billy D. Williams as he is on the promotional tour for The Rise of Skywalker. And it's some pretty wacky stuff. Check it out. Lando has never left me. Lando has been in my life for 40 years. I had a lot of fun doing it. I knew people were clamoring for Lando to come back, but I didn't feel that that would happen. It's a nice feeling to be welcomed back. How can you not be pansexual in space? (laughs) I have so many things to have sex with. I'm serious. I didn't think that that was that weird. And you see, I say himself and herself, because I also see myself as feminine as well as masculine. I'm a very soft person. I'm not afraid to show that side of myself. Yeah, he's soft. He's made of felt. First of all, I asked last night, I said, what the hell is gender fluid? That's a whole new term. No, no, no. I'm not gay. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Not that I have anything against gay people. But personally, not gay. (laughs) People should read young. I mean, it would be an interesting education for a lot of people. Not gay. So there you have it. 
actual <gasps> oh man interview quotes dramatically I, recreated for you by, by puppet lando puppet wow. lando will be joining us at rise of skywalker in cleveland next week uh skywalker rises in cleveland and uh i'm sure he'll have a lot more to say um will about, he be available uh, for selfies I think that is uh, definitely a possibility. Uh, so everyone coming out to Skywalker Rises in Chicago will have that photo up. Ohio. Did I say Chicago? Said Chicago what is the yeah. matter with well, you? Know, I am it's, still it's a on, Chicago thing. The I'm sun rises stuck. and sets in Chicago. No, we all it, know that. it certainly does not. And it, <laughs> it certainly does not burn brightly in the city, especially <laughs> this time of year where I'm freezing my cojones off. But um uh, Skywalker rises in Ohio. I'm I'm stuck on promoting our last thing that happened in Chicago, and I don't know what's the matter with me. Why I keep bouncing back to that, but Skywalker definitely is rising in Ohio, and uh, it's going to be a great time. And there, there are just a few seats available. I think we added a couple extra seats to fit everyone in. So if you've been waiting, don't wait anymore. Get them now before they're gone. And uh, we're expecting a great crew to be out there with us as Skywalker rises in Chicago. That's right. Head over to Playhouse Square. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> Playhouse I almost Square. did it again. I don't know why I keep doing that. What's Play- the matter with me? PlayhouseSquare.org and uh, get your tickets today. Yes. Ohio. Ohio. Ohio! Ohio! <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. Next time you hear from us, outside of our discussion of Mandalorian Chapter 6... On the Rebel Force Radio Mandalorian After Show, we'll be talking about the rise of Skywalker. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed I, this. This show, this was uh, very cathartic for me. Uh, I got a lot of things off my chest. And uh, look, I'm just as excited as the next guy going into this film. But there were certain things, and there are certain things that bother me about the promotion of this. The finality of it, I think, is unnecessary and, uh, frankly, undeserved, unearned. Not going to lie. I think that's a stretch. No. I think that's a stretch. I mean, you have to just acknowledge the fact that people other than George Lucas are making Star Wars these days, and... Um, and also, haven't we heard this before? We heard it after Return of the Jedi. We heard it in 2008 after Revenge of the Sith. And now here we're hearing it in 2019 after the rise of uh, Skywalker. So I uh, fully expect to see uh, everyone return in uh, 2030 for Episode 10, Skywalker rises in ohio that's right. actually gonna be the theme of episode 10 he's they're gonna it's gonna be a low budget star wars <laughs> let me uh, throw this the, out all right one more quote from kathleen kennedy because in her io9 interview 
They ask her, well, you you say you can't cement something in Star Wars, and yet the marketing calls this the end of the Skywalker saga. No matter what happens in this movie, the story could go on. So isn't that putting a label on it creatively? Constrictive? She says, it's only creatively constrictive with regard to the Skywalkers because the saga, in quotes, really references the Skywalker family. And that's what we're bringing to a conclusion there's an inevitability that with because of the actors and the characters they're playing. So that's really what we're looking at more than anything. At least in my lifetime, there's never going to be an end to Star Wars, no matter how hard I try. She didn't say that. Okay. So this isn't the end of the Star Wars. It's the end of that family saga. All right. Fine. Anyway. Uh, hey. As Jimmy said, we'll be um, live in Cleveland for Skywalker Rises in Ohio. But if you'd like to play with us in between shows, we'd love to hear from you. That email address is show at rebelforceradio.com. And the voicemail line, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can be like Danny and uh, leave us a voicemail, and you may be featured on an episode of Rebel Force Radio. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. That Instagram handle is at RFR Rebel Force. Everywhere else, you can find us at searching for Rebel Force Radio. And uh, we're on iTunes. We're on every podcatcher you can imagine. So if you've got a favorite podcasting app where you listen to your favorite podcasts, you can find us at Rebel Force Radio, and in some cases, they let you leave reviews of your favorite shows. Uh, we'd love to have a review if you'd be so kind. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find us. We're streaming all over the web. We're streaming at uh, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. You'll find us here at Rebel Force Radio. And don't forget about the uh, RFR Mandalorian After Show, which not only can you find as a podcast on this feed, but you can also find it on YouTube. So uh, head over to YouTube and search for Rebel Force Radio and click that subscribe button. Smash those like buttons and uh, please um, make sure you're tuning in because it's a great conversation as we break down each and every episode, each mm. chapter of The Mandalorian. And you'll get them if you follow us on Facebook as well. And don't forget about Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rebelforceradio to find out how you can, uh, well, you never have to miss anything Rebel Force Radio once you become a supporter over there, including at the All Access tier, you get this show, the weekly podcast, as a video. How cool is that? Can People are loving it. We're seeing that community grow and grow. Every time I open the app, I see some uh, new Star Wars fans who've joined the party, and we greatly appreciate all of you guys, and you keep RFR alive and humming, uh, and, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to do that, and we'll be able to do it for a long time. So yeah. we'll join the party. Yeah, the Skywalker saga may be coming to an end, but Rebel Force Radio has, there's no end in sight. This party's not ending. This saga's not ending. We're going to keep going, and uh, we have so much to look forward to. Somebody actually just asked me today, hey, you know, you got the last Star Wars. This is at the day job. That last Star Wars movie is coming out. What are you guys going to talk about after that? I said, what are we going to talk about? Are you kidding me? 
First of all, we're going to rewatch The Mandalorian like 500 times. <laughs> then we're going to wait for the Cassian Andor series. And then we're going to wait for the Obi-Wan series. There's so much exciting stuff to talk about. We're going to be have, we're going to be watching The Clone Wars uh, Season 7. I mean, good yes. lord. Yes. And, so and, and there's still lots of unbaggage or uh, lots of uh, baggage to unpack is what I meant to say. Lots of baggage to unpack from these uh, previous nine films. Oh, right. Along with Rogue One, which we still haven't done a commentary track for. Along, and a lot of people are saying, hey, why don't you guys do commentary tracks of all the films after the Skywalker saga wraps up? Go back. And take into account all of these new elements that have been introduced into the story and franchise and, and go for it. And I'm like, yeah, Makes that's me not watch bad. Star Wars again? Okay. Yeah, that's tough. Tall order. <laughs> Don't twist my arm too hard. Right. Yeah, lots more exciting things happening on Rebel Force Radio. Thank you all so much. Uh, if you're coming out to uh, Cleveland, looking forward to seeing you. Can't wait. We're going to show you a great time. Skywalker Rises in Ohio. If you're on the fence, get those tickets now. Playosquare.org. Love you all so much. We'll see you next time right here on Rebel Force Radio. For RFR, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember. The Force will be with you always. Always.